0: my Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we enter into this period of prayer together, we, uh, we begin perhaps by praying for one another that we would have the gift of prayer. We ask the Holy Spirit to grant us this great gift that we would be able to open our souls, our hearts, our minds, our whole being to the Lord, to you, Jesus. And we can contemplate the Lord, you, Lord Jesus, in the fifth chapter of Luke's Gospel, in the hustle and bustle, the busyness of your uh, public life. We see you here, uh, as so often, in fact, surrounded by crowds, by the Sea of Galilee we picture ourselves there more than that we situate ourselves there um, on the shores of that lake where you teach us so often and Saint Luke recounts that while the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here we are, Lord Jesus, assembled along the shore, listening to you a little bit out from the shore as you speak to us. Perhaps we can see how the crowd arranges itself, sits down, strains are hearing to listen carefully to what you have to say. Perhaps the children, the sick, the hard of hearing are in the front. And there we are listening to you, the teacher, teacher with a capital T. And we ask you now, Lord, in this period of mental prayer, of meditation, to teach us, to teach us. We could say from the bottom of our heart. With the words of scripture we can say to you Lord Speak Lord, your servant is listening You have the message of eternal life Or we could say with those words of Saint Josemaria That he learned uh, from his grandmother when he was a child Yours am I, I was born for thee What is it O Jesus you want of me? It's a great disposition to nurture in our souls in our in, in these times of prayer like now, to listen wholeheartedly with all our soul to the words of eternal life, the only word that gives full meaning with a capital N. Venerable Francis Lieberman, an admirable holy saint, uh, a venerable, a French man who died in eighteen fifty two. He has a beautiful image of our being docile, of our being open to the Holy Spirit, to the voice of God. And he expresses it in terms of a feather floating in the air, floating in the wind. That just like that feather is light and movable and susceptible to the breath of the wind, you and I would be susceptible, open to the breath of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Venerable Francis Lieberman has a very admirable life, born in France, the son of a rabbi, with great regard for his Jewish faith. Initially he thought of being a rabbi himself, then he went through a difficult period of agnosticism, suffered a lot, questions of faith, and then eventually he came into the church and the Lord called him in due course to be a priest and the founder of a missionary congregation in fact he's regarded as the second uh, founder of the Spiritans or of the Holy Ghost Fathers but again we can see in uh, in this saint it's just one example of someone who has been declared venerable by the church that openness to God that listening to God which led him through many different phases in his life and made his life extraordinarily fruitful and that image maybe can can help us, we're like a feather susceptible to the breathing of the Holy Spirit, to the love of God, to the word of Christ addressed to us from the boat. You Lord Jesus you teach us from the boat and you are the teacher of all teachers, there is no teacher like you Lord. Um, as we hear in the Gospel of John no man ever spoke like this man and it's true because you are the Word with a capital W you are the Word of Life as St John says you are the Word that fills my life with, with significance, with meaning, with eternity elsewhere in the Gospel we hear Lord that you teach with authority that doesn't mean arrogance or a harshness, but rather that you teach with substance because you are God and besides that Lord you are the greatest teacher because what you teach is the supreme lesson eternal life, true humanity fullness of love we could think of St Peter um, after that uh, outstanding episode in the uh, synagogue of Capernaum where you, Lord, announce yourself as the bread of life, that shocking, amazing, incredibly beautiful teaching. While some people no longer can bear to follow you anymore, they can't take it, it's just just too much. So we're told many no longer went with you after that discourse of the bread of life. But Saint Peter uh, says, but Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we could also make that profession of faith, if we wish, now in this prayer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So it is good in our prayer, like now, to dispose ourselves, to listen, to be attentive. I suppose to take inspiration from that prayer, that little but powerful prayer of Saint Josemaria. Yours am I. I was born for thee. What is it, O Jesus, you want of me? Here we are by the Sea of Galilee listening to the words of the teacher who speaks from the boat of Peter. And along with the whole of Christian tradition, of course, we can see in the bark or the boat of St. Peter an image of the church, the people of God, making its pilgrim way through this world. The world is uh, symbolised by the sea or we might say the sea symbolises history with all its ups and downs, with its calm moments and, when it's, and with its storms and its squalls. And here we take a moment to pray about and for the church and to renew our profound love for the church. The boat is the boat of Saint Peter in which Christ dwells. You Lord Jesus you are the very self of the church and the Holy Spirit is the soul of the church. Lord may I never ever weaken in my faith and love for the church. Sometimes it's true the church in a given period or in a given place can seem a bit battered or weary or or bedraggled or even wounded by my sins, by our sins. Yet we know through faith that the church is your loving and living presence. Somehow the extension of your personality through history. The church is nothing less than that. And she contains, despite her apparent weakness at times, she contains all the saving power of God. And that is why we love the church. And that is why we keep faith in the church, even when she is suffering even if she's being battered by high and violent waves, or when she has leaks from inside, from my sins, from your sins, from the weaknesses of the members of the church. Nonetheless, the church is the living presence of Christ in the world. I believe in my mother, the Holy Church. Of course, too, we pray for the Holy Father, Peter. It's his boat we're in after all. Uh, we don't see ourselves as detached onlookers onto the life of the church. We're in that both with Peter, omnes cum petro Iesum per Mariam. Always all together with Peter, travelling together to Jesus through Mary. And that phrase, of course, is one of those lapidary phrases that explains the spirit of Opus Dei and the spirit of St. Jose Maria. All together with Peter to Jesus through Mary. So in this moment of our prayer too, as we meditate on this gospel passage, let us embrace with our prayer the whole church, especially perhaps those parts of the church which are suffering in some way. Brothers and sisters of ours who are persecuted for their faith or who suffer poverty or war, or those brothers and sisters of ours who are weak because they haven't received a good catechesis and don't have a good knowledge of the Lord, and yet they are members of the church. And when we pray for the church, we do well to pray for ourselves, living members of the church who have so much growing to do as well. To meditate on this gospel, which is in fact the gospel scene for the Mass of St. Josemaria, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, we turn now to the intercession of St. Josemaria. We know, in fact, that the saints always do accompany us in our prayer, but I'm thinking that given this is the Gospel of the Mass of Saint Josemaria, we do well to go to his intercession in a particular way. And in fact we'll ask Saint Josemaria now to guide us in our prayer, drawing on this homily which we are studying together or praying about together in this mini-series on the richness of ordinary life, that wonderful homily which we find in the collection Friends of God. Saint Josemaria preaching there or praying there says like our Lord, I too am fond of talking about fishing boats and nets, so that we may all draw clear and decisive resolutions from the Gospel scenes. St. Luke tells us of some fishermen washing and mending their nets by the shores of Lake Genezareth. Jesus comes up to the boats, tied up alongside, and goes into one of them, which is Simon's. How naturally the Master comes aboard our own boat! Just to complicate our lives, you you hear some people complain. You and I know better. We know that our Lord has crossed our paths to complicate our existence with gentleness and love. We see here how Saint Josemaria contemplates you, Lord, as you you make your own, that boat of Peter. He's busy in the corner washing uh, the nets and you just make yourself at home in his boat. And perhaps this is the the fundamental idea we can focus on in our meditation, that you, Lord, want to enter into my boat, our boat. You want to enter into our lives. And that is precisely what gives our lives its richness. The richness of ordinary life is the beauty of the presence of Christ in the ordinary. God does not live in splendid isolation. God seeks communion, union, conversation, love with us he wants to be part of our lives and he wants our lives to be part of his in some ways that's the definition of divine grace isn't it god's life in us to live the life of god we see this of course throughout the history of salvation Uh, it's always nice to reread the um, document of the second vatican council on divine revelation de verbum the word of god because it uh, talks very beautifully about how God wants to share this communion of life with us and that's why he reveals himself progressively. But you Lord, you don't just reveal yourself, you come to us, you seek us out, you want to live with us. In his very good book called Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, Brad Petrie traces the presence of God, how God seeks to be present to his people throughout the Old Covenant. Um, I suppose he does this to prepare us for explaining Christ as the new temple, the new presence of God among us in the Eucharist. But um, Petrie looks at how in the Old Covenant, God is always close to his people. In the time of the patriarchs, there's no central place of worship, but the Lord dialogues with his people through the patriarchs, wherever they may be. And then at the time of the exodus of the twelve tribes out of Egypt, they built a portable tabernacle, the so-called Tabernacle of Moses, which contained the Holy of Holies, which in turn contained the Golden Ark of the Covenant. It was, in a sense, the most close presence of God to the people. This was, in effect, it was a portable tent which they carried with them, the presence of God, God who wants to dwell among his people who are on a move, were on the move. Subsequently, there's the Great Temple of Solomon, built in Jerusalem around 1000 BC. And this was a stone, a magnificent structure, covered with gold and decorated with variegated carvings. Sadly, it was destroyed in 587 BC by the Babylonian invasion and that led to the Babylonian exile. But then about 50 years later, King Cyrus of Persia allows the Jews to return to their land and he gives permission for them again to build a temple. This is the so-called second temple, which wasn't at all as glorious as the previous one. But nonetheless, we keep seeing how God wants to come into our boat. God wants to share our life. God seeks us out. You, Lord, are the good shepherd who seeks out the lost sheep. You, Lord, are the merchant of fine pearls, who sells everything to buy the field, to possess and love that priceless pearl which is each one of us, even though it seems daring to say it, surely it's true. We see it in the New Testament, like God always seeking to be with his people, to enter their ordinary life. For example, we think of Zacchaeus, who's up a tree in Jericho, wanting to catch a glimpse of Jesus of Nazareth. And imagine just how beautiful that is how striking the Lord who walks under the tree looks up and says without further ado Zacchaeus make haste and come down for I must stay at your house today the house of Zacchaeus the most avoided house in Jericho the most you might say despised house in that place is where the Lord with incredible naturalness says he's going to stay that day Jesus you invite yourself into Zacchaeus's home, into Zacchaeus's home, with the same naturalness with which you walk into Peter's boat by the Sea of Galilee, with the same naturalness, intimacy, love, gentleness, friendship, with which you uh, visit that family in Bethany of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and take your rest. Our Lord, who seeks us out, who enters into. Our ordinary life and fills the texture of ordinariness with the sublime beauty of His presence. And maybe for us now, here and now, in this time of the Church, in the Tempus Ecclesiae, the time that goes between the ascension of Jesus and His second coming, uh, the closeness of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, which fills the earth with splendor. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. Lord you walk into the boat of my soul, of my body, of my life, of my everything through the Holy Eucharist. We actually become in a sense the Lord's kith and kin through the Eucharist, we share his blood. This closeness of God, this intimacy with God, uh, this was what St. Maria was called by the Lord to, to remind us all of. And And we can thank the Lord uh, for the charism, the spirit of St. Jose Maria, which can enrich our ordinary life so 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 much. He spoke about the mission of the work, and in, you could say it's the mission of, of all Christians, really, to open up the divine paths of God in ordinary life, to open up the divine paths in the ordinary. There's something holy, there's something divine hidden in the most ordinary circumstances. And it's up to each one of us to discover it, says Saint Maria. Lord, in seeing you walk into Peter's boat, I learn that you have also walked into my life, that you are close to me, and I don't want to lose sight of this closeness. In fact, I'd like to savour this message more and more, and I, I guess in this series of reflections on the homily, the richness of ordinary life, that's precisely what we've been trying to do to discover, to savour, and in turn then, in our own way, to spread this intimacy with Christ in the ordinary. It's a remarkable thing, a beautiful thing, that friendship tends to spread. Friendship is a love, and therefore it's contagious. I just finished reading a novel a few days ago um, about a charming friendship between two uh, British soldiers, Uh, who meet in the trenches at the First World War. And one of them is is a very loving person, a very outgoing person and clearly from a very united and warm family. And what's interesting is as their friendship develops, his family, when they write to this fellow, include his friend in the letters and, and send greetings to the friend. And he, in a sense, the friend is drawn into that love of that family. You could say the friendship spreads Instead of just being a friendship between two people, it becomes a friendship between many people because the friend um, becomes a friend of the family of the friend. Friendship is always expansive. And I suppose our realisation, our experience as ordinary Christians of the friendship of Christ in the ordinary expands. And that becomes evangelization. That becomes shared love. That becomes apostolate which is the very life breath of the church. Going back to the homily uh, of St. Maria and his meditation on this on this passage, um, St. Josemaria meditates on, on what happens after the Lord has, uh, has done his teaching from the boat. When he has finished preaching from Peter's boat, Jesus says to the fisherman, Duc in altum, Et laxate retia vestra in capturam launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch trusting in Christ's word they obey and haul in a wonderful catch then turning to peter who like james and john cannot hide his astonishment the lord explains do not be afraid henceforth you will be fishers of men And having brought their boats to land, leaving everything behind them, they followed him. Lord Jesus, when you come into our boat, when you come into our lives, everything changes. Everything is different. The presence of Christ is completely transformative. Maybe not even that perceptibly so, but at a very profound level, everything changes. See how the apostles here who were expert fishermen, they've been trying to fish, they're exhausted, they haven't got anything. But at the word of Christ, when you come on board, as it were, Lord, then everything changes. This is a lesson that we often hear in sacred scripture. You yourself tell us, Lord, in the Last Supper, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who lives in me and I live in him, he it is who bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. This is very important for us, isn't it? I mean, especially nowadays when we live in a world which is so focused precisely on being productive, on meeting our targets, on being excellent, um, on com- uh, quite a lot in the world of business, as we know, you know, com- competitiveness, um... Have you got your goals for the first quarter, for the first semester? Um, I'm not saying these are bad things, far from it, they're probably very good things most of the time, if not all the time. But ultimately, if it's just me doing my thing, it's barren. With with Christ, everything. Without you, Lord, nothing. And that's the beauty of the Christian vocation, That that, that is the richness of ordinary life to turn, as St. Josemaria says, to turn the ordinary prose of every day into heroic verse. But here we need to be attentive because there's a real temptation, a very human temptation of activism, which in effect is doing, 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 um, as if everything depended entirely on me. And that leads to sterility and often therefore also to human frustration. We we could ask the Holy Spirit for the wisdom of God, for the wisdom of what Christ is teaching us here about uh, what really matters. As Psalm 127 puts it, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So many of our friends, perhaps, and our relations and maybe even ourselves at times, we work so hard. We're so busy. We're so busy, busy, busy all the time. Very hard to give a commitment to anything because we're so busy. And then sometimes we stop and say, but why am I busy? I'm working so hard. But what for? And what are the fruits of it? What ultimately guides my work? Why am I doing it? Doing things with our Lord helps us to discover the meaning of work, which is ultimately, I suppose, love of God and love of others. To change the world in the profoundest sense, to change it for eternity. Our work is not simply um, me, me, me. It's letting God work, letting God work. How important it is and how comforting it is actually to let the Lord come into our boat. It teaches us to work really in a truly human way which is to work with love. I remember I was lucky enough to be on the Sea of Galilee a few years ago with a few friends. We went on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and we went out in the boat and, and we were praying there together for a while and then just relaxing, enjoying it. And then there was a storm and we actually had to come in a bit early as a result. So the, the whole experience was very evangelical. We experienced the storm on the lake. Um, we too, at times, are going to experience storms in our lives. And they can be very disconcerting, as we know. And Maybe right now you're in the middle of a storm. It could be, you know, the loss of a job or it could be bereavement or it could be emotional turmoil, or anxiety, or it could be um, a family problem, a health problem. Uh, there are often storms in our lives, so if, you, if you're going through a storm now, don't feel alone, because we're all praying for you together in this, in this shared meditation. We're united in our prayer, all of us who are praying with this text. But our comfort, even more than the communion of saints, comes from the communion of Christ, that the Lord himself, once he's in the boat, We don't need to worry about anything. We just have to let him take care of us. St. Josemaria again in the homily. If you agree to let God take command of your boat, if you let him be the master, how safe you will be. Even when he seems to have gone away, to have fallen asleep, to be unconcerned, even though a storm is rising and it is pitch dark all around you, St. Mark tells us how once the apostles were in just such circumstances. And Jesus, when the night had reached his fourth quarter, seeing them hard put with rowing, for the wind was against them, came to them walking on the sea. Take courage, he said, it is myself, do not be afraid. So he came to them on board the boat, and thereupon the wind dropped. Perhaps at times the Lord does test our faith we're going through a a stormy patch and the Lord seems to be asleep and yet we know Lord that you're always with us and we renew our faith even in the midst of times of darkness. So as we finish our prayer we turn to Mary the mother of God and our mother and again talking about Christ stepping into our boat coming into our home coming into our all we see this also in That great, I suppose you could say, the supreme moment of our Lord's death when uh, he places places his own mother within our home, you could say. From the cross, as St. John recounts, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Again, God who steps into our home, God who, who wants to be in our lives. And here he does it through his mother. When Mary is present, Christ is always also present. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this time of prayer. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.